Yeah, if you and three friends wanted to wear <laughs> a trench coat and get into an R-rated movie, Jinko yeah. is the jeans you- for you. Did I do that? It's a show about the mistakes that we make on the way to making design, because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a lettering artist, a type designer, an illustrator, a self-described human disco ball, Kyle Latendre. Hello, hello, hello. Did I pronounce your name right? I realized that I... It's okay. It's a French one. I respond to anything that starts with L as long as it's polite. (laughs) But Le Tender, like chicken tender. Le Tender. Mm-hmm. Let me do that. Kyle Le Tender. Uh- <laughs> it's okay. If it helps you remember, I am greasy and crunchy, but I always hit the spot. Good with a good ketchup or ranch, depending on how you're feeling. As much as it was a name that haunted me, I was like, you know, it could be named after worse things. There's ants on a log or whatever, you know? Oh, like- God. That'd be a terrible nickname. So. Although whoever came up with that was trying so very hard to rebrand, I think the kind same of a nasty experience. Yeah, I Three think the same people that don't go well together. I think the people who dreamt that up are the same people behind big cauliflower being a thing, like trying to tell us that cauliflower can be rice, very soggy rice. I don't want to get canceled, but I just I don't think cauliflower <laughs> rice is it. I think life is short, and I don't want to spend it with that in my mouth. Yeah, is there a way to mix it in with something else. Yeah, give me soup. Give me something roasted. <laughs> not rice. Now that's where I draw the line. No <laughs> soup. This is not the 1400s. <laughs> we can have solid foods now. Are you anti-soup? Is that I'm a kind stance? of anti-soup. So hear me out. I like it if you can put a lot of croutons in it. If it's basically an excuse to like have a lot of bread that's <laughs> dipping into a good sauce. I think that's the key. My teaching partner once several times let's be honest said that all the foods that i consume are brown because they're bread based in one way or another Hmm. (laughs) so soup is kind of kind of just fundamentally be the opposite kind of experience of what i look for in a food what a way to go It's it was very evocative and it stuck with me for a while. I was actively trying to eat the most colorful food I could to be like, I don't just eat brown food. Look, I eat red onions, too. <laughs> it's really mm, tough when delicious. It's tough when somebody like clocks a pattern that you're experiencing in that way. And yeah. suddenly you're like, I do say that word a lot. Yeah, or whatever it is. It was definitely at my peak of brown food eating. <laughs> too. I, there was a there was a period in my in my uh, teaching career before the pandemic. I had roughly about ten minutes to eat because I was teaching all day long, pretty much without a break. And so I would bring bread from home and tofurkey slices with an ice pack, and just put the tofurkey slices on the bread, and that was my lunch. <laughs> kind of lukewarm yeah just like room (laughs) temperature fake meat is the emoji for sadness i think (laughs) and i say that as somebody who likes fake meats various kinds but uh yeah again not to yuck your yum but no i love fake meats yeah much preferable to real meats in my book yeah and i I think especially once i had soy rizzo that was the game changer Uh, for me uh, because what's not good if it's just sitting around in flavorful juices it's magical it's magical that's a dating profile if you need one I, I worry that certain services might request that you rewrite it. That's fair. My partner and I met on an app, and I'm pretty sure my oh. bio said, all anybody wants in life is to sit in peace and eat a sandwich, which is from 30 Rock. <laughs> because I was just like, that's about as much of myself as I need to really give out in this space. You got to savor the moment. Sometimes the moment needs extra mayo. <laughs> that's my Minnesota coming out. <laughs> You are recently moved to Portland. Being from the barren tundra of Minnesota, <laughs> I am still just kind of lost among all of the plant bounty a lot of the times. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean to sound twee and kind of like too precious, but it is nice that my camera roll is filling up with photos of my neighbor's rose bushes and figs and pears when we first got out here in August compared to like just end of times memes, which is sort of like... <laughs> what i felt like maybe before we landed here but kind of bleakness yeah and those are still there but now they're surrounded by flowers and that feels nice yeah i think a lot of people will move up here from somewhere sunny and then have a vitamin d deficiency (laughs) for their Mm. entire time here because the winter seems long but minnesota that's a winter oh yeah they went full folders on that they (laughs) it was a really 
<laughs> yeah, Minnesota winter is no joke. It's a lot more snow than even Chicago experienced. And it's wild to just be like calling my mom and she's like, yeah, there's, you know, there's a couple feet of snow this morning. Oh, God. And she just has to dig herself out and go to work. And it's totally normal. Whereas my partner is a teacher here in Clackamas, which is just outside of the city. And he had school canceled when there was like a dusting of snow. Yeah. And he was just laughing hysterically because at first it was two hours late for like nothing. And we're used to like the whole sky falling and there being like an ice shelf in the middle of the highway. So for me, it's kind of funny, even in Chicago, where you would get the first snow and people are just like, how do you drive again? <laughs> And so I try not to be like, I've been through worse. But when it comes to snow, there are places that have it more intense than Minnesota. But where, yeah. where, you know, like it's a lot, but it's cool. You know, our state bird is Prince and we have mayo and everything. And <laughs> our, our governor was a wrestler in the 90s. So that's yeah. fun. There's a lot of lakes everywhere. I hear darn near 10,000 of them. Supposedly yeah. there's closer to 14,000. <gasps> But who's counting? I was lied to. Even the, the license plate says 10,000, and I just want to sharpie every last one of them. Where are these 4,000 uncounted lakes? They're DLC. You have to mm. unlock them. I haven't collected all of the apocalyptic shells or something. And yeah, you've got to defeat the final boss. Yeah. The final boss was inside of us this whole time. <laughs> The calls are coming from inside the house. I mean, like, for me, where I'm used to things being frozen for most of the year, that's how it feels, you know? Like, I'm obsessed with these camellia bushes everywhere. There's some that look like really expensive salami because they're just striped red and white, and I'm not used to it. Sorry, I keep coming back to the plants, but Portland has the coolest plants. That's clearly on your mind. You are dressed in a really beautiful, Gown, like, overall... <laughs> I was going to play with the fact that this is a not a visual oh, yeah, medium. The, yeah, it's a truly beautiful gown that is bedeckled in... Ooh. Am I using that word correctly? Who knows? It sounds like it could be on HGTV as well. Oh, certainly. Have you bedeckled the wall yet? I'm waiting for the spackling to get here. Your outfit is covered toe-to-tip in bright, colorful flowers. I've always been one to dress like a wallflower. I try to put the B in subtle. <laughs> Don't really like any attention on how I look, so... <laughs> Just, uh, as, no, I mean, as a supermodel, I just got here after a Vogue shoot. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I was feeling some end time stuff this morning and was just like, if not now, when? Like, yeah. I'm just going to wear what makes me feel like a superhero in my own weird, dark way. When it feels especially bleak, it feels nice to counter that as much as possible, which is why today I am I'm wearing, although not right now, because it's it will get to be quite hot in here after about 20 more minutes. Mm. I'm wearing my my pink coat. It's a genuinely beautiful pink. I'm trying to picture, since this is an audio experience, it's like the best lox cream cheese that you ordered that was like That's, really loxy. Yes, that is a perfect description. Yeah, it's... It doesn't... Sm I, even though like I know fish smells are... Uh, <laughs> controversial <laughs> that is uh i love the smell of locks we're not a visual podcast but we are in smell of vision i'm gonna insert all these after the fact the campfire the, oh, the, oh the gas human the gas, or fossil um, question mark definitely fossil if it's my block you never know not to brag but i cannot process cheese the way i used to so it, it could be human <laughs> again not to brag not to brag <laughs> We were talking before the show about the true smell experience of Portland, mm -hmm. that it is a smell adventure from top to bottom. I don't really believe in astrology so much, but sometimes I do think that the smells of your Portland morning are indicative of the day that you might have ahead of you. How so? Some days it's really beautiful and it's foggy and it's kind of cedary and there's a little bit of like soot. And then other days it's just despair yeah. and existential dread. And maybe I'm projecting onto this a little bit. It depends on what kind of weird you get in your morning. Maybe it's the friendly <laughs> kind of weird and sometimes that's a, a mood for your day too where you're just like it's gonna be a ride today we're just gonna go along yeah when i met you outside also i was just getting hit with the strongest like smell of urine <laughs> Like, yeah, just a urine cannon was Oof. coming through that breezeway. I got some weird smells. I passed a food cart that smelled really great. And then like Ooh. two steps later, it was just car exhaust. And it's kind of like smell whiplash sometimes yeah. in any city, really. Like that's not Portland specific, but. Um, our food carts are probably unusually close to the street as compared to most cities, though. Yeah. Because our blocks are so very tiny. That's true. And Miniature. also the culture around food carts is not a thing in Chicago. Uh, like just by how it's zoned, you can't get close to like a brick 
brick and mortar. Oh, really? Yeah. So huh. the few that we have end up in these really weird corners of downtown where it's just in the shadow of these big, <laughs> like, robot fingers. You, you walk down a dark alleyway and it's, a person sells you tamales, yeah. tamales out of their coat. Yeah, basically. Hey, man, you looking for a tamale? <laughs> it's that, basically. But yeah, the Portland version of it is so nice. I, I know it's like an adult food court in a way, but I love them. <laughs> Well, we also have those, too. Although, yeah. I don't know that any of them are still functioning. There was a very good one downtown for a long time that had very good pizza. Now it is... Oh, like a food hall type of thing? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I went in there about three months ago, I want to say, and immediately, like, three different people who worked there yelled at me <laughs> because I guess it's takeout only, and it's only ramen now, which is, like, the worst possible takeout experience <laughs> that you can have. Yeah. That... There's no way that's going to be good by the time you get it home. No, there's a lot of things that are temperature sensitive yeah not least of which a runny egg which is kind of integral in my experience yeah <laughs> it's gonna be real weird by the time you get it back but yeah they seem quite confident that they did not want anyone really in there for any length of time <laughs> challenge accepted you guys are not making me feel welcome yeah welcome to portland get out so kyle you brought in some work in a portfolio case over there is that a pina zingara i think it's more of a cabernet i don't know what you're what a what the Pina Zingara brand of very expensive portfolio cases. It could be. I remember buying it at Blick when I graduated. And oh, thinking almost I was certainly that hot shit. So. I recognize those trademark page format things that they sell that are very expensive. Yeah, the little plastic inserts. Yeah, with the little metal tabs that hold them in. What a racket! Yeah. You've got the portfolio case here. Yeah. It is. It has a bamboo cover, I it, should say. It really feels like a cursed object. So this is your cover. I am ready to die several ego deaths by doing this. You've got, you've got a little silhouette. I assume that's of you wearing a bow tie. Um, I really thought that was the look. The bow tie look? I had a real thing with not knowing how to dress casually. <laughs> I didn't understand it as a concept. And I've always been insecure of various different flavors and stripes. And I just thought, when in doubt, look like you're going somewhere fancy, I guess. So, like, I, I made bow ties. You made them? I sewed them out of, like, my mom's vintage fabric. She made all of her own clothes in high school. And so that kind of crazy scrappiness is something that I feel very connected with her and connected to design in that way. Do and you still make bow ties ever? Or? I don't wear them anymore, mostly oh. because of it making me cringe so hard that my butt won't unclench for a week. <laughs> it makes me just kind of spiral into my own self-loathing, but I like them on other people. How long ago was this? This is when I was like a senior in college, uh, 2010, 2011. Oh, yes. This was this was peak of bow tie popularity. Was it though? I like. I don't. I mean, the doctor of Doctor Who was wearing the bow tie and coined the phrase bow ties are cool. And I feel like that was on bumper stickers here for a long, long time. Okay. I think you're being very kind. <laughs> I just, it was a weird look. I don't know why I did it. I did have one that had like a zipper through it. Like that was embarrassing oh. to say out loud. It all how, how would you, so did you have to? No, it's, they were clip-on. Oh, okay. <laughs> it gets worse. It gets weirder. <laughs> but I like sold them on Etsy. I had a really hard time like finding my first job and working as a barista and like selling Etsy bow ties with like remnant fabric was kind of how I paid rent for a while until I got my first job. So it was like in a weird way, like maybe a symbol, I guess in hindsight, trying to be kind to myself. Yeah. Maybe the bow ties were kind of a symbol of like just figuring out like how the hell to pay my rent and get through things yeah. but stylistically in hindsight that's not the vibe you know well i mean I, I i think you should be kind to yourself because this you know i'm this saying was, i would roll up to the grocery store years ago now yeah. like but to like roll up to the grocery store at 22 at 7 in the morning because anxiety is the best alarm clock <laughs> <laughs> to get there and like buy my cheese and avocados and like in a bow tie was just a lot to give yeah. to the world. Um, so I mean, we're probably mere months away from people rolling into any place wearing Jinko jeans again. Oh, yeah. So 10 years from now, that's going to be happening all over again. Yes. If there are people who do not know what Jinko jeans are, please do us all a favor and Google image it. <laughs> no, actually, don't do that no, because then you might buy them. <laughs> they're I think they're terrible. so funny as a concept. They're clown pants. My yeah. grandfather was an actual rodeo clown. And the first time he saw me wearing them, he was like, why are you wearing clown pants? They, I mean, like, they seem like they need to be hemmed in order to make them useful. Yeah. But they were a moment. Well, if you if you want to own pants where you can fit in one of the legs just entirely and yeah. then the other legs just kind of there as a bonus. Yeah. Jinko, that's the magic of Jinko jeans. Yeah. If you and three friends wanted to wear... <laughs> 
a trench coat and get into an R-rated movie, Jinko yeah. is the jeans you, for you. When those friends knew you needed to not only be tall, but also the width of a human that mm. is an adult. Questionable width, so this yeah. Is, this is like six humans in this trench coat. <laughs> At least. Yeah, in hindsight, why weren't... I'm a, Yeah, I guess in hindsight, I'm surprised Jinko wasn't more expensive just based on how much fabric it was using. <laughs> A lot. It wasn't high quality fabric from what I recall. They were, let's say, very temporary. Yes, the 90s does feel temporary in hindsight. <laughs> You've got your first project here now. I do. Uh, it's funny looking at this. I tried to make like a visual system, but there's like, you know, I, that's kind of the fun of like design. And it makes me think of uh, like Microsoft Word and those sorts of things. And like being able to desktop publish and making things feel serious or legit, even though it's just totally made up information. Uh, and I can't think of anything with more made-up information than my graduating portfolio. <laughs> because it's all like school projects and things. They had like a portfolio center as part of the school where oh. it was fun. And you could come in if you were a music major and you had like an hour slot and I would like help you make your album cover or your resume. Wow. or That's really cool. It was. And it was really fun experience for us as designers because you would get paid, I don't think probably terribly well, but it didn't really matter because I was like getting paid to design. Yeah. And I learned a lot on the job and the stakes are low. And so sometimes it would be like, uh, I need a, a logo for my reel or I need something for my fashion brand to put on the the things like help me just choose a font. And it was like really fun entry level stuff for like how to deal with people. So that's what this is all from. And I did some of their like promo stuff and it was a lot of fun. And it was really nice to be able to connect with those people that were in a position like the staff members working they were all really kind and great to me and they were all in the position of helping people like describe what they do and how they want to find jobs and stuff and even with all of their help I had a hell of a hard time finding my first job and that is not their fault but uh, this is like the work I did in support of it well you I mean if you were graduating in 2011 that's not an ideal time to be graduating either uh, no, no, it's not. We were still deep in the rut of the bad times. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I probably had it easier than some maybe who would have walked right into the abyss of 2008. And <laughs> I was just kind of into the reverb chamber that that created. Yeah. It was a different scape. Instagram was not a thing. No. Um, and it's really hard to kind of envision... So uh, the next the next thing in the stack, you you have a uh, a poster and it looks like is that you you are you are primarily I, I feel like a lettering artist. Yes. Um, is this an early example of your of your lettering work? It is. Yeah. Um, when I so I, I transferred to the school as a music major and then after one semester, I basically went from an opera school to a jazz school, which was like really intense. And I don't really like doing either of those things. I'm just like a fat chubby dude who likes to sing like uh, Motown or the Spice Girls and there's not really a market for that and I just like kind of had a summer where I was like I'm going to do design and I never looked back um, and lettering was really my like gateway drug into it yeah. there was a course where you got to design your own font <gasps> and I was like cool I'm doing this and it wasn't until your senior year that you got to take it yeah. but I, that was just like I don't know why it just was my kind of uh, light at the end of the tunnel that I wanted to go towards. So there was not a lot of structure around learning type. Uh, anytime I asked about it, a lot of my professors were very uh, quick to cautious me about putting a lot of energy into it just because it was, especially back then, such a niche thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But letters were just I don't know, they're the puzzle that you can always solve a different way. Yeah. Uh, it's endlessly fascinating to me in a way that music wasn't or other mediums haven't really been to the same extent. And it's fun to see, like, uh, drawing. It's one of those things where drawing letters, I feel like I drew better when I knew a little less. <laughs> If that makes how, sense. How so? Uh, with well, so I I did like type at Cooper this last summer, which is like a type Ooh. design intensive. Yeah, um, which is really incredible. And with the pandemic, it was a global thing. So we had people in like Melbourne and Jakarta waking up at like two in the morning to take these classes, and it just oh, wow. reinforces how kind of special it was to me. But it also learns, it teaches you a really regimented and kind of historic approach to drawing letter forms. And so now I'm just like thinking through all of these other parameters, whereas back then. I was just like, what is an E, you know, and just 
kind of throwing shapes around. And I think it's it's fun to look at this and just try to get back into that headspace, maybe. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful lettering. You're kind of evoking like a 70s sort of like swashy kind of like connectedness. Yeah, I was Lou Ballin on a, uh, not a champagne budget, what's the opposite? <laughs> on a PBR budget. A PBR budget. Or, sort of what I wanted to be, yeah. Yeah, one of, one of those little tiny, uh, was it Brute that they call them that you get at like the, the grocery store or what have you? Oh, like the little individual portion ones? Yeah. Like the uh, first class if you're, I, I don't know, I haven't flown it, but when you drive by and like to get the personal bottles of champagne? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That but cheaper. Yeah, that's what my lettering is. It's really lovely. Did you do this other layout too? You've got somebody getting a tan. <laughs> yeah. Um, Looking back at this, I was like, this is kind of a documentation of my evolving relationship with images have copyrights of their own. <laughs> I got really into the Flickr Commons. Oh, so sure. This is like just from the Library of Congress, I'm pretty sure. And there's like a whole series of retirees at beaches and pool parties <gasps> in Florida. And so oh my God. I did a lot of lettering on top of it. Oh, Not to okay. be like well, subversive to find... and team grandma, but like team grandma forever. Well, I, I, I hope, friends, if, if you are listening to this and you have never paid a visit to the Flickr Creative Commons search, it's really great and weird. Yeah, I will die on this hill, but Flickr kicks Pinterest's ass. Yeah. I think there's absolutely so much weirder stuff and cooler things and <laughs> and it's a time capsule yeah now. the self-promotion engine of Flickr never got fully going in the yeah. same way like it's <laughs> weird there's a lot of really great mid-century collections on there of people just like scanning in matchbooks and book covers and like actually my friend my friend Jason Sturgill has a huge huge collection of matchbooks which I believe is, is uh, also on the Flickr I love matchbooks I love limited printing like limited palette printing in any way is my own my happy place it's it's so magical like I, I have learned about myself i cannot create unless if i give myself uh limitations and that yeah. i think i'm so fond of like screen printing and reso because those were kind of those moments that taught me that yeah um but I just think what you can do with fewer things is way more interesting than what you can do with an unlimited crayon box. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, that it's the closest thing to having like that as a real restriction. You yeah. Know, too. Like I've, I've done a couple offset printed jobs in the past couple of years and like more and more of the, the places that I talk to are like, you don't, you, you want this to be done offset? Mm -hmm. Really? Are you sure? Cause we can do this digital. You really want this done offset? Mm -hmm. Really? <laughs> Just checking again. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, even when I've like had, I have a workbook that was reso printed, and they're like, "This is going to be off a little bit," and I was like, "Yes, please." Like, I love that. Yeah, that's so cool. That's the magic of it. Um, on the back. So, what what are these? What are these iconography? So that goes into this, which there was like a website they tried to do, which was like their own bespoke Behance type of idea. Oh, on paper in 2011, it sounded incredible. In reality, I remember just getting, uh, like, I'd sign up for it, and then I would just get the most insane tattoo requests all the time. Email. What? Well, people would just search lettering and then be like, can you design my tattoo? Did you ever do any? No. Oh. I have a very strict rule about tattoo. Some of my close friends do tattoo design, and I don't know, but it makes me think, like, I have no idea what renders, and not tattoo design, they do tattoos. I don't know what renders in ink and skin. Yeah. And also, like, that's a very intimate act that I don't want to do for just a stranger. Um, that and also yeah. like get the artist to make it like when the artist is drawing it themselves, the act of putting it onto you, I think is completely different in a lot of ways. Like that's true. Yeah. Find an expert. I'm not the expert at that, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so there was a Behancy type of thing. And I just like, I don't remember if this was real or if it's just like a total mock-up thing that I developed for the sake of a portfolio. But I know that it was in support of this Behance concept. And it, but the service itself actually launched. It was a. Yes, because it's, huh. yeah, what delivered me all of the tattoo requests. <laughs> and then there was like a photo arm of this where you could get your headshots taken. And this is, I think I just like Googled dude headshot 80s or something. <laughs> There's just these like weird, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I I I love it. Um, you've you've got you've got two two gentlemen, um, quite large, uh, in the in the frame, um, and then then there's just some sort of like landscape imagery on the top and bottom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess you know maybe maybe it's like if if these photos are good enough, then you get to experience the beauty of these places. Which like is that the key? Is that why I? 
do I need a really good photo and then I can go to a beautiful place? Yeah. Yeah. The beautiful place has been inside of us this whole time. But I don't I don't know what I was trying to communicate. I think it was like kind of a Napoleon Dynamitey kind of vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. There's definitely a like a this has an Idaho look to it. This one on the bottom with the horses. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I was really working through some things at yeah. the time is sort of how I feel looking at some of these things. Well, that, but that's that's what this time is for. Yeah. Like, you know, truly um, my I, I think this is also like the era too, where like I think a lot of my work kind of looked like this at that time yeah i see traces of like work uh i see like bits and pieces of the flavors that are still in my sunday so to speak like i do yeah. still love misregistration and there's some kind of like hints at doing some kind of misregistered things yeah dimensional type is kind of a part of it but like it has the essence but it's been boiled down a little more yeah um it's I, I I I will say I really like it, and I I actually especially like this this typesetting down here. I think that that is you can't see that audience. <laughs> no, but, I think I just learned um, how to align type, and I was doing it. But I like I like your type choice. Thanks. I think it's fun. You've got another page there. Is this a typeface that you designed, this ribbon candy? Yeah, so you took like three typography classes as a part of Columbia's graphic design degree at the time. And like intro to type was kind of like typesetting. Yeah. Type two is kind of more about like experimental type and kind of using it in more like David Carson-y ways, like type as texture. And then <laughs> that, we we were also prepared for that world that never came to be in, in our curriculum. Yeah, I maybe we're from that same window where I just feel like a lot of professors from that era were mad about David Carson yeah. and like telling the world like their soapbox was just our student ears, I guess. I think it's important to have conflicting perspectives in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I still think like building out the edges of the sandbox is helpful to figure out what's too weird, what's too conservative in any given project. And I guess as a design student, it's helpful to know like, yes, I like to David Carson or no, I do not like to do stuff like that because <laughs> there is a need for it. There is a... a... Is there? <laughs> I mean, I think of it as type as texture and like... Um, oh, sure. Yeah. In that way, it, it makes me think also about the Spotify wrapped thing. People were so mad about that squished and yeah. stretched type, but I was just like... I don't need to read experimental prog rock and like the most legible thing like why if, if it looks like a upc code that's fine it still says prog rock or whatever right next to it yeah. so i can still figure it out if it were illegible that is the actual essence of experimental prog rock yeah i don't know i think type is like a ready-made it's just a series of shapes that have to kind of evoke something that we have told ourselves as a letter form so as long as it gets close to that i don't know yeah maybe, maybe pure legibility is not the most interesting thing to go for to circle back around to your typeface here it's sort of like a stripey ribbon that you've turned into letter forms yeah um it looks like bacon for sure <laughs> it's a really it is like a series of letters it's a series of drop caps much more than like a letter system even all the times where i've showed it in that portfolio it barely says more than like a four letter word because the texture is insane it basically looks like i took a sheet of striped paper and folded it to make these letters because i think that's exactly what i did oh, really yeah i was really into stripes and the mod 60s there was a project runway designer called mondo guerra who did a lot of pattern mixing and i was really into like that and Alexander McQueen doing a lot of the same things and trying to figure out how to make this like visual density of fabric and texture that I was seeing, like how to explore that in graphic design. I think this is kind of a product of that. Wow. I mean, that's really cool. I I like I like that lens to look at this through. I don't know. I, I really like graphic design. I love it. I'm a huge nerd for a lot of it, but I also look outside of it most of the time, I feel like. Bringing in something like fashion or drag or whatever to me is much more interesting. I, I guess I get afraid of like the insider baseball aspect that design can have. Yeah. It's really fun to like talk to each other. And obviously, I'm enjoying this exchange a lot, but there's a ton <laughs> of world outside of just the fonts and the, the Pantone books that we can sort of... Absolutely. Absolutely. start with it's it's hard especially when you're a freelancer or you're in this position now where we're all kind of branding ourselves from a young age like i think young kids even have a concept of what their instagram branding is which is like yeah. weird to think about yeah. even if you're just like a person but it is interesting to think back on like what those stamps were for me and what i envisioned for myself 
And I was like really, really stimulated by fashion design. And I don't know why I just kind of was like, okay, I'm done with that when I was done with college, I guess, until more recently, I've been kind of investigating it again. But yeah, I kind of want to circle back around to something that you said in there before this portfolio. Did you have any sort of personal branding or anything like that for projects? Um, yeah. Uh, so my feeling, you know, <laughs> trauma dump. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, did I have branding? I mean, like, so I went to school for music at first. And like yeah. my first couple of years, I had like a MySpace music profile. Um, I went to this music school because I had a full ride in uh, music. And I oh. just couldn't. That sounds fancy. But I was a dude who sang. And there's not a lot of them relative to how many women were in these programs. So I always felt really aware of the fact that a lot of my friends who were women were like working twice as hard and getting yeah. half the roles that like guys who did half the work were getting. Yeah. So I just throw that in there because I think my scholarship reflects that. But I really just like wanted to be a singer songwriter at the time. And that was kind of how I was expressing myself. But being the delivery device of it was really hard for me is kind of what I eventually realized. Like if you have an anxiety day or you're just not feeling it, our JPEG can be a JPEG on its own. (laughs) Whereas if you're a singer, you have to show up and deliver it. You have to fill in those pixels manually in person. And I I didn't feel like I could reliably do that in a sustainable way for myself. Um, so I think like being the product is still something that I really struggle with. And I try to be really conscious to take on work now that even if a brand is like, we love you, we want to feature you. I really don't want to be the primary focus of it, which I don't mean that in any way against people who are kind of more on the influencer side of things. I think that's totally valid and viable, but it just makes me feel a lot of self-loathing patterns. I think that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, the concept of branding was an evolving thing and I didn't really know how to handle it. Uh, and I still don't know if I do, but... Lately, it's just like dot, 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 make it gayer. <laughs> and, and I think everybody has a version of that. Like I have a friend who's like dot, 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 make it more Southern because that's kind of like what he's exploring out here, being detached from like the more Southern upbringing in those contexts that he's used to. Yeah. So I think we all have a version of your make it gayer in that way, like make it more Midwest or whatever that is, make it uh, weirder. But yeah, I think make it gayer was mine for a longer time and trying to figure out what that next step is. Is there any like work in here that like specifically when you were going through like leapt out to you as like this is show you some weird stuff? I, I'm all about that sentence just in and of itself is great. There's a couple things in here that are fun and weird. This I think is the weirdest. There was like a zine project that uh, was kind of a collaborative at Columbia between some of the fiction writing departments, some illustration and some design. This just so everyone I knows. I handed you a photo of my, <laughs> my gut. <laughs> It says Butterbound on yeah, it. Yeah, so it was like a zine every year, and every class had a different name, and you kind of put random words from different boxes, basically. <laughs> and so ours is Butterbound, and then we had to each submit a cover for it. And this is like when I was kind of having fun with like using my body in some of these images, which I did. Yeah. And I was just like, Butterbound, what does that make me think of? So I like made a stupid, simple geometric sans, and then took a photo of like my fuzzy belly and used that. <laughs> it did not get used for obvious reasons, but it's funny to me in hindsight that not only did I show up to class and like earnestly present this photo of my like grainy belly my gut and just be like let's critique this as art kids and also went on to job interviews and was just like nice to meet you here's my belly it's so weird in hindsight did you have to explain to people what butterbound was i just said it was a zine and i did the type and i don't think i owned that that was my gut i don't know maybe i should have just like flashed them my like mono ab situation i'm in like deal with this and ran away but maybe i would have gotten more offers yeah i don't know but it was like a fun zine project and i did like the hand lettered table of contents it's like literally just my handwriting at the time but i was like really feeling oh. my really feeling it and like i am a lettering artist to hear me roar this is a fairly long zine too it was a big collaborative thing yeah but the fiction department all submitted things i chose to illustrate mine but a lot of people would like work with a friend who was an illustrator you produced a very beautiful illustration here this is one all of the pieces point. that this is all ballpoint yeah, looking back on this, oh what's funny God. to me is like what I didn't know how to do is draw digitally. There was no real way to do it without having a Wacom, I guess. Yeah, and I didn't even know that those existed, and they were they were terrible. Yeah, from <laughs> they what I were hear, pretty terrible. Right, they certainly didn't display on them like what you're drawing now. Right, they were like the yeah. thing where you had to look at the monitor. The thing that I learned, I think, through college was to embrace shortcomings in a way. Mm. And so I was like, well, I can't figure out how to do this digitally. I'm just going to have to figure out how to do it manually. And so I just did it all with a ballpoint pen. I think I made that into a font. 
but it's based on my handwriting. So I was like just kind of making an excuse to figure out the programs, really. Yeah. I also grew up on a delusional diet of Project Runway. And so I kind of treated college as my own Project Runway and was just trying to like make it work and <laughs> yeah. having a lot of fun of trying to like figure out these challenges. I feel like if you had done it digitally, you would have lost so much. I think there's a gentleness to like this that I don't think you could get digitally, at least not without a ton more work. Yeah, I definitely think I would have over-refined like the shapes and things. And there's a clunkiness yeah. and a, an earnestness that I'm kind of glad is there Yeah, in hindsight. I love it. This is gorgeous. Thanks. This is on my resume and it's a really weird one in hindsight. Speaking of just like showing interview people like men, I guess that's what I did. This guy who owned a grooming parlor in like one of the neighborhoods in Chicago hired oh. me to do portraits for his websites. But in hindsight, like the Portraits were fully guys that he was like uh, romancing in various ways. <laughs> but it's like now using 22 language, like I did a bunch of sentimental watercolors of daddies he was doing. <laughs> to promote his parlor and it didn't occur to me at all i was just like this is paid illustration work i mean they're uh they're pretty handsome well i mean like they're mostly just like their faces yeah. to describe it they're not really that like audacious there is one of like a greek torso but it doesn't like show d or anything crazy like they're just kind of like <laughs> male body as art in hindsight yeah looking at this when i because i tried to keep this fresh and not really think about it I was just like, I really did show up and show these professional ass people just half naked watercolors of, of dudes. And I was like, hire me, please. And no wonder they didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, like I pro queer, pro sex work, all of that. Like yeah. I would never judge if this was in a portfolio that somebody showed me. But I think in 2011, maybe that was a weird thing to just be like, and here's branding for a makeup thing. And also here's some naked guys like that's abrupt. You know, well, I think I think sometimes it's also OK to have a project in your portfolio that is like, if you're not on board with this, you're probably not going to be on board with me. Maybe this was kind of one of those. Yeah. Too. Like I hear that it saved you from being in really nasty, unpleasant jobs. Maybe I mean, not to to brag it's not like i could hide the fact that i'm like glow in the dark gay i think like <laughs> you can see it from the space uh, station again not to brag but i don't really think that there's a lot of hiding it i think yeah the only closet i was ever in was the glass closet so it's kind of like uh <laughs> There was no hiding that aspect, but yeah, I don't know if I was like, you better be okay with naked dudes or you can't hire me, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird to look at this and be like trying to, I was trying to like show the skills that I thought people wanted to hire and I don't know why I thought like, I guess art school just teaches you that like you need yeah. to do figure drawing, I, yeah, which is great. It's beautiful. It's fun. But like, is it relevant to what we do every day? I have some other just like gay shit, I guess. Um, <laughs> I saw Trunk Club in there, famous podcast sponsored Trunk Club. Uh, yeah, I knew one of Ooh. the people who worked there when they first started and I did like a fake rebrand on it. I was like really in a paper cut. I graduated at the time when like Marion Banshees was like really having a moment. And if yeah. you don't know her, she does these insanely meticulous oh. handicraft pieces that are just like couture for lack of better description. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're insanely thoughtful. She was one of those aha artists to me where I was just like, cool, I can funnel my anxiety and existential fear into an exacto blade for 16 hours and make a paper cut basically. Did, is is that how long because you oh, I have no idea but to tell the audience yeah you have you have made one of these and it is really really gorgeous it's pretty small too like I'm guessing this binder clips like maybe an inch wide and I mean, it's it, it was probably like 10 inches wide oh, okay it's not tiny. okay you've got some really really fine details that you have cut out here you've got like really delicate striping and but this also like brings me uh, thank you sorry uh my inability to take compliments <laughs> will be the death of me but it brings me back to a place where i was like we were spending a lot of time doing mock-ups and stuff and like using those exactos and that's another thing that i was like they'll find this valuable to their team it's yeah. like i can use an exacto i don't know what i was trying to communicate but well you have a, you have a good grasp of craft is how i would look at it i did I think that was always something that I was obsessed with and yeah. I think a lot of us maybe lose ourselves in that pursuit and I think I did for a while it's not really like about how good you can draw I think it's much more about like the thought that goes into it and the yeah. people you're doing it with and I would almost say like I think where that investment usually ends up is like because you're not going to be doing this necessarily at a job but you are going to through this demonstrate that you are willing to put in a ton of work on a project to really get the look right and like you totally nailed it this is gorgeous thanks yeah. i also love the way that you photographed it on the it's that pattern fucking it's the, thing it's the Oops, pattern sorry. again the, the pattern ribbon mixing. pattern i was just a uh, a shirt that i wore 
a lot, but I still love pattern mixing. There's something so, uh, it feels like pop rocks on the brain is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> it just like makes me tick. Oh no, don't add soda to the brain then. That's how Mikey from the cereal commercials died. Oh, it's actually not. Um, I, I think that's a reference that's older than I am. No, this is a thing you can cut if you want, but my partner's dad kind of gave it all up. He was an accountant and just decided to grow weed in Michigan. <laughs> And he, his name is Michael, and he, the first thing that he made business cards for a website that didn't exist, and it was called Mikey Likes It. And I was like, you're a medical marijuana grower, and you want somebody to be like, I am really ill, I need your thing, and Mikey Likes It. I was like, nobody even fucking calls you Mikey. <laughs> Did he, if someone had called him Mikey, would he dislike it? I don't think he would even turn his head. No one calls him Mikey. <laughs> Well, you can put this in. He's not going to listen. But he like had a business card that just had like a bunch of weed, just like like a astroturfy kind of texture of just like a a bunch of weed. Yeah. Just that Mikey likes it in like Cooper or something crazy, <laughs> and then like an email and a URL that didn't go anywhere. And he was like fully handing these out to people. Wait, why? Why would he make the cards if he didn't have? I any don't of know. That but like this brings me back when I was a music major, I wanted to design the album cover before I wanted to make the music for it, and that's yeah, one of those. That's... that's one of those moments where I was like, "Oh, I should be doing design." Then I, I think that's also kind of because um, before I became a designer, I attempted to be many things, but I was attempting to be a cartoonist, which is hard when you don't really have any talent or skill at drawing, basically at all. Um, that sounds like that might be helpful in that pursuit. Yeah, but I think like one of the reasons that my cartooning teacher told me to try graphic design is that I was clearly more concerned with the web site for my uh, was with the actual comics themselves yeah but i think that's helpful i think like putting a name on it i think there is a magic to that also gives you a different sense of accountability maybe you know and you're like this is real now i am mikey likes it <laughs> i don't know it's gotta feel real i i the Listen, straight <laughs> the men are a mystery of decisions that went into that is truly oh you're giving him a lot of credit for being thoughtful and making decisions rather than just kind of wandering into michigan with an armful of weed and hoping for the best but he put he put your email addresses on that he had no yeah not a real he one did not own mm -hmm. do you think how much business do you think he missed out on because they went nowhere none i don't know who he was meeting and giving these out to either like <laughs> It's just a weird thing. I don't know. Straight men are a mystery that we cannot solve today alone. We need your help. Please donate five cents a day to help straight men. Yeah, we, we, I certainly don't know. So, That's so mean. I'm sorry. Um, I don't mean to treat them like National Geographic. <laughs> observe them it is almost well, straight pride that's, that's what the spike tv network used to be for oh my god oh uh, god what was what it? a toilet that was. So, yes i love reality tv competitions not just like the housewives or the kardashians again no judgment if that's your thing but i love like project runway and top model and those shows where it's like talented people or crazy fame hungry people just competing yeah um, well, and i think those are also creative shows too yeah yeah definitely and the reason i bring this up is because i watched a lot of ink Mask. Um, oh, yeah. I more specifically hate watched it because it is just <laughs> a simmering cesspool of raging misogyny for a lot of it, where it takes them six seasons to be like, oh, man, women can tattoo as well. Oh, God. It takes forever for them to just realize, like, women have feelings and they're also here. But oh, it's fun boy. to hate watch. And there's a point where they're sponsored by Taco Bell and they're like mm. doing this thing for like army vets or something. And it's like much like these army vets who have given an arm to this nation. We're in asking you to live what? moss today what? <laughs> so i think of like spike and live moss <laughs> as this like peak unaware masculinity in a way like <laughs> just like we are asking you to live moss like these men and women who have given a limb in the armed services like what the fuck it's so weird what even <laughs> But that felt like a normal sentence so for someone to say. So many people had to approve yes, that. Yes, yes. That's wild. Yes, the whole Taco Bell team approved that. Oh, my God. Anyways. <laughs> if, you, if you were on whatever ad agency at Taco Bell... You were canceled. ...approved that, reach out and try to explain yourself, please. They've been going through some things since the Chihuahua, you know? Yeah. They, have you seen the new Taco Bell spots? No, they're um, really weird. They're like short films almost, and they're quite low energy. Okay. Like the one that I've seen is like uh, 
there's there's two families and their their son and daughter are getting ready to go to prom and they're taking a photo on the lawn and they hear the Taco Bell bell and okay. then suddenly the families just run away. Um, Isn't that the opposite behavior than you would want to encourage in an ad? Well, the the end of the ad is that they're just in a Taco Bell eating, but it's like quiet. They don't seem to be happy. There's no real like music playing. <laughs> it's just kind of we're sullenly eating this Taco Bell and we've abandoned our children on the lawn. I Presumably mean, they're not going to prom because they have no ride now. Tell me that's not how it feels eating Taco Bell sometimes. It's just staring <laughs> off into the distance and being like, have I left my family somewhere? Why yeah. am I doing this? You don't want anyone to look at you while you're eating the Taco Bell. No. Certainly. And I say this to somebody who like, I chose Taco Bell as where I went for my birthday growing up. Like I loved Taco Bell. <gasps> really? Yes. I thought I was fancy pants. Did, did they have a child birthday experience of any kind or was it? No. No. Yeah. No. Me just like showing up and getting like six tacos because like you could go ham on oh, yeah. that and like get a lot of food and i think at some point i was like 12 or 13 when my dad was like you need to choose something a little like a little more grown up and so then i <laughs> went to chi cheese which was just as what? bad what's chi cheese <gasps> you don't oh it was this like no. oh it's like a, this might be a regional thing that we don't have out here yeah there's some really good ads on it because i think they mostly closed in like the early 2000s so all the ads feel like they're from the 80s or the 90s they did fried ice cream <gasps> It was something that they're really famous for. What? What is this? Have I you don't even know. What, no, no, no. Oh, um, I'm not this sure. Is, this is the Midwestern technology of frying everything. Mm. Did not make it out here. It is innovative. Yes. yes. The Minnesota State Fair is famous for it itself. Everything comes on a stick there, and they fry different things every year. <laughs> the fried Twinkie was like really big, and then the fried whole cheesecake slice was just like Good too God. many mouth experiences for me. <laughs> There's a lot of conflicting that's, textures. I mean, yeah. And it's weird because you're just like you're in line. And I think I'm having a culture shock of how different the West Coast is in that way, because it's just <laughs> like uh, a, a middle aged mom goes up and just like orders one and whole hogs. it by the time she's back and found her family, like wow. eats the whole thing. And like there's no shame around it. Like yeah. if she wants to eat that and go crazy for her, I'm happy for her. Yeah, That's um, her joy. Yeah. And I think just to see anybody, much less a person of smaller stature, wolf down a whole thing of that in like three seconds is just a sight to behold. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, no fried things. How did we get here? I so don't many remember. Fried things. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this, I think, was kind of the most uh, indicative of the vision that I saw for myself, which was just trying to create like a lettering blog. I mean, oh. you know, like when you're coming out of school, you basically have to invent things for yourself to draw because you don't have client stuff or whatever it is. Yeah. Did you like see this as like a Jessica Hish? I think this was like right around project. her time. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of us were in a place where we were trying to think about like, how do I put out the work that I want to get hired to do that sort of a- approach? And so this was just a lot of Flickr Commons images and really in school i was terrified of illustrator like could not figure it out <laughs> oh it's baffling i got like a bootleg of photoshop 7 from the anime girl in my well i should say one of the anime girls they were <laughs> they contained multitudes and there were many of them but i taught myself photoshop but like i didn't really know what i was doing yeah and then so when i tried to teach myself illustrator especially i had no idea what i was doing and so this was kind of like just trying to teach myself how to draw letters in illustrator and really not knowing yeah but looking back at it like I did some really weird cool things just by not knowing I mean like that is that is like a swash party where like every loose string that has ever been cut from my sewing machine was just thrown on top of it looks <laughs> like you cut somebody's really curly beard and just like sprinkle it as swashes all over the script did you draw this out and then scan it in and then trace over it in illustrator or is this like all pen tool know. I think it's all pen tool oh my god for sure that must have taken a thousand years yeah well I was just like watching Australia's Next Top Model until four in the morning every day <laughs> drawing letters. Uh, there's an Australia's Next Top Model? Uh, yes. I did. Is I have watched every English and French speaking version. <laughs> there is Africa's Next Top Model, module, uh, Asia's Next Top Model, there's Canada, Australia, uh, UK and Ireland. I've watched the French one. I've watched parts of the Norwegian one. Wow. Um, same with Project Runway. The Australian Project Runway you can find on YouTube and it's incredible. Australia's Next Top Model is on Hulu and they're oh. all like, I'm from the Outback. I drive tractors and I'm devastatingly beautiful. Like they are <laughs> gorgeous. And then they are just like, yeah, I'm a trucker. It's like kind of genuine what half of them bring and it's really uh, a lot of them genuinely work and have like very successful careers compared to the u.s one um but yeah this is a really embarrassing thing that i've just opened up that i know a lot about. i know i love it 
that's I had no idea that those formats were that portable, that they're just yeah. like everywhere. Yeah, and like Asia's Next Top Model is one that is broadcasted in English, but it brings together contestants from several different countries. Huh. So does uh, Africa's Next Top Model. The one that I saw at least had contestants from all over. So like wow. there are ones that are kind of cultural exchanges within themselves. And then there's other ones that are just like, I don't have access to a lot of the things that I'm seeing, but it's just so fascinating. To me, it's like it's a shape of something that can be reinvented similar to like a a t-shirt or like the letter a like it's <laughs> it's legible and familiar and comforting but it can be done in a lot of different ways yeah I don't that's know. it's i mean design is like television in that way yeah 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 and i think that there's something just primal and but bloodlusty about me where i just want to see somebody cry about their bad hair makeover every now and again <laughs> I think I've identified a certain cruelty only in in that level within myself. I think that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's just to be so serious about something so innocuous as a haircut just makes me feel alive, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Kyle, if people want to find out more about you and your haircut, where could they? (laughs) Oh, run in the other direction anytime you see me. My Instagram is HeyKyle. My Twitter is HeyKyleHey because HeyKyle was taken. I do have a TikTok, but I don't do anything with it. (gasps) Will you do something with it? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm Don't follow Kyle on no, TikTok. I, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's, I'm trying. There's people tell me the algorithm will know me better than I know myself, and I'm still at a point where oh. it's showing me these rich women that will, I think they're punk videos, like they're trying to prank you, but they will like make jungle juice in a toilet and what? then serve it. They're doing things that are stupid and gross to be stupid and gross. They stress me out so much. Well, who would want that? I think sometimes as humans, we like poking ourselves in the eyes with sharp objects, and that's how that feels. <laughs> That's a good descriptor of what social media is like in the year 2022. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kyle. And thank you, listener, for listening, because that's what you do. That's how you got that name, The Listener. If you enjoyed this show, why would you not want to leave a review about it? We currently have one review, and I would love it if there were more than that. Feel free to rate us five stars, because that will help us get listeners. The other thing that helps us get listeners is if you tell your friends, share the magic, the majesty. Uh... I've just written guest here with a question mark, and I have no idea why I've done that. Is it about Christopher Guest? Uh, Yeah. Follow Christopher Guest and all the exciting new projects that he's working on. I assume that he's got a new film coming out soon. It seems like about time. Takes him about 15 years each go. I'm Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as always, when we close, we say... Is this good audio? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like holding yeah. my breath. To the point is, this, that I is this good audio? I, this is Did I Do That? Is this good audio? All right. Bye, everybody. a wise man once said like people don't remember what you said but they do remember what an enamel encased hot dog makes them feel like (laughs) (laughs) truly a horrifying thought (laughs) I'll never forget it (laughs) 